Amen. So one, one thing we want to do, we want to welcome anyone who's here today for the first time. So if you're here for the first time today, if you could raise your hand, we just want to thank you for coming and just give you a gift. So if you could keep your hand up, we have the ushers are coming to hand you something up in the front. And if today is your first time, or if, or if you just started coming in the last few weeks, we have, a, we have some snacks for you in the back room after church. So you could come. We want to meet you and, and, and just get to know you more. Just, just for a few minutes, and we'll have some refreshments. So, Sarah, if you could wave, you could see Sarah right in the back, right after church. So, we're going to be continuing in the sermon series, going through the book of Genesis. So, we, today we're up to Genesis chapter 26. So, going to be in Genesis chapter 26. But before I start there, <clears throat> we just want to review a little bit. So I'm going to actually start by going back to Genesis chapter 12, verse 10, and then I'm going to skip to Genesis 26. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. It's easy to find. So Genesis chapter 12, verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. <coughs> As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. How many of you were paying attention a few weeks ago and remember Pastor George talking about this story? So not everybody was sleeping? The, the last time I was preaching here, there was somebody sleeping right in the front row. So I told, the, I told the usher, I say, wake him up. There's someone sleeping. Why don't you wake him up? The usher told me, you won't believe this, Hector. The usher told me, you put him to sleep. You wake him up. <laughs> so, see, you've got to pay attention every week because you never know when we're going to ask questions. Actually, last time I was preaching, I had this cut on my face, and somebody asked me, says, what happened? I says, I, I was shaving and, and preparing my sermon, and I accidentally cut myself. So they said, next time, cut your sermon instead. <laughs> no, that wasn't too nice. That wasn't nice, right? Actually, I messed up the joke, but they still laughed, so I guess it was okay. <laughs> That's what you get for putting that camera on. I play, Bird, I played to the camera. That's the problem. I, so it tells us back in Genesis chapter 12 that about Abraham that there was a famine in the land, and he went to Egypt, and the king, he, he was afraid of the king, that the king would kill him and take his wife because his wife was so beautiful, so he told a lie. He told his wife, Sarah, you, anyone asks you, you say that you're my sister. We're going to deceive the people so that I can be safe. So keep this story in your head. And now I'm going to go to Genesis chapter 26, starting in verse 1. Now there was a famine in the land besides the previous famine in Abraham's time. 
And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of, king of the Philistines in Gerar. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands, and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and will give them all these lands, and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed me and did everything I required of him, keeping my commands, my decrees, and my instructions. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. So the first thing is that God appeared to Isaac, Abraham's son. Remember we heard how Abraham was a mighty man of God? That he, Actually, he had so much faith that even now, thousands of years later, if you're a man or a woman of faith, you are called the child of Abraham because he was a father of the faith. He was a mighty man of God. And he had a son called the son of promise named Isaac. And God told Abraham that all the blessings that was on you, all the promises that were on you are going to go to your son Isaac. And now God appeared to Isaac. You know why? Because it's not enough for your parents to know God. It's not enough for your wife to, to sit and pray and get close to God. It wasn't good enough for that your grandparents went to church day and night. But every one of you, you need to have an encounter with God for yourself because Isaac could have said, no, I love the world too much. I'm, I don't want all this God stuff. It's too hard. I'm not willing to lay down my life. I'm not willing to sacrifice. And Isaac could have turned it all away. Just as every one of you have a choice. See, God calls each person individually. Your wife doesn't have enough faith to save you. Your praying parents cannot save you. Every one of you, you have to have your own encounter with God. The second thing was God told Isaac, do not go to Egypt. Stay where you are. See, there was a famine in the land. What does a famine mean? Nothing was growing. The people were poor. The farms were dying. There was no rain. Nothing grew. Similar to a depression today, businesses were going bankrupt. And God told Isaac, he says, you just stay right where you are and I'm going to bless you right there in that place. You see, don't start to run just because things are getting too hard. Sometimes you've got to stay and go back into that marriage, no matter how difficult it is. If God didn't call you out, you stand. When God puts you in a place, whether it's a physical location, maybe, maybe it's a church, whatever God's called you to, and he's placed you there, and he hasn't moved you, I don't care if all hell comes against you, you stand in that place. Because God is going to bless you right there. And if you move, you're going to miss the blessing. See, Isaac had a choice to disobey God. His father, he didn't listen. His father went down to Egypt. And Isaac, the next generation, he had a choice. He could have run. Isn't that what we do a lot of times? We make all these promises. We, we commit ourselves to ministries or different things. We commit ourselves to prayer. And as soon as a hard time comes, we run down to Egypt. Because Egypt in the Bible is a picture of this world. It's a picture of trying to do things in your own strength, in your own power, trying to use your own mind to figure it all out. You want to know what I found over the last 20 years? I can't figure nothing out. 
How many of you can join me in that? I try. Sometimes I sit in the house for hours trying to figure out how do I get out of this mess? You can't figure out what God's going to do because his ways are beyond understanding. They're beyond knowing. All you could do is say, God, I'm not going to move. I'm going to stand right where you call me to stand, and I'm going to, be, and I'm going to trust you. See, that's what God told Isaac to do, and that's what God is telling every one of you to do. I don't care what the economy is like. Some of you, God's told you to go back to school or go to college. And I heard the Lord telling me this was a prophetic word for at least someone here. And things are getting hard. It's difficult. And you're ready to quit. And God's saying, I placed you in that school. Don't quit. That's an actual word for at least one person here today. God is going to cause you to excel. When God calls you, when he promises you, don't look at the outward circumstances. Don't look at the famine. Don't look where everyone else is in lack because God will prosper you right there where you're at. I'm going to go now to verse 7. When the men of that place asked him, asked Isaac, Abraham's son, about his wife, he said, She is my sister, because he was afraid to say she is my wife. He thought, the men of this place might kill me on account of Rebekah, because she is beautiful. How many find that that's something familiar? How many of you were paying attention five minutes ago? Isaac did the same exact sin that his father did. When Isaac had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked down from a window and saw Isaac caressing his wife, Rebekah. So Abimelech summoned Isaac and said, She is really your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? Isaac answered him, because I thought I might lose my life on account of her. Then Abimelech said, what is this you have done to us? One of the men might well have slept with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech gave orders to all the people, anyone who harms this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Can you see where sin goes down from generation to generation? Can you see where the son committed the exact same sin as the father? The sin of deception, the sin of disbelief, not trusting God to take care of him. Now, how many of you remember last week when, when Pastor George talked about Jacob, Isaac's son? Remember he put that fur all over him? And what did he do? He went and he deceived Jacob. In other words, this family is dysfunctional. You you see what's happening? That lying deception is going down from generation to generation to generation. Then we'll read in a few chapters how in the next generation, where Jacob's sons, now they deceived him and told him that his son Joseph was dead when he wasn't. See, this is a biblical principle that sin passes down from generation to generation to generation. Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. And the Lord passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the fathers 
to the third and fourth generation, it tells us in the Ten Commandments that sin gets passed down even through four generations. That there are areas of our lives where, we, where, where sin has been passed down. For example, things like child abuse, addictions. They can trace, even scientists and doctors, they could trace it down from generation to generation to generation. Poverty goes down from generation to generation. Sickness. What happens when you go to the doctor, you fill out a form, they want to know your family history. They want to know what sicknesses your parents, your grandparents had because they're looking to see how those things were passed down through the generations. Here's the good news. You don't have to live like that anymore. I don't, care, I don't care if you have a long family history, a family tradition of failure, fear, poverty, addiction, child abuse, divorce, whatever it is. The Bible says that in Jesus every curse is broken because Jesus took your curse as he hung on a tree. In other words, even if your parents, your grandparents, they had cancer, and you're worried it's going to come on you. We're going to pray for you today. We're going to break the power of it. That sickness doesn't have to come on you. That heart condition, you don't have to receive it. That mental illness, whatever it is that's been running through your family, the power of it can be broken in Jesus. Anything of failure and poverty, see, that's what ran in my family. Failure. In my family, every time somebody did something and it started to move ahead, just wait a couple months and boom, it was all over with. Every business that someone started, bang, it was gone. And it ran from generation to generation. It's only in Jesus that that power is broken. And now I, I, I don't expect that anymore. Through all the years and years before I knew Jesus, I expected to fail. I expected no good thing. I expected for everything to fall apart. And now that I know Jesus, I, I'm believing for prosperity. I'm believing for great things. I'm believing that God's going to bless the work of my hands, and it's the same thing for you. You know that depression ran in my family, that my grandfather suffered with depression. My father, and I, for, I was 10 years in psychotherapy and taking pills for depression. Being a criminal ran in my family, and Sandy never believes this when I say it. But my grandfather actually, during the days of prohibition, when liquor was illegal, he used to make rum in his bathtub, and he was arrested, and he was a bookmaker. He, was, he ran the numbers joint. And by the time I was 21, I was in jail many times, believe it or not. Why? Because that curse was coming down from generation to generation. Fear. You know that, that my grandmother, she used to wake up at night screaming in fear from her dreams. The same thing with my mother, that my mother couldn't sleep without a light on or with the TV on. And until I... Until I knew Jesus, and even after that, until I was prayed for and it was broken, I couldn't sleep without all the lights on. But I would wake up in terror many nights, preaching the gospel, walking in the power of God, and in the nighttime afraid to go to sleep. You see, that was a generational curse. But the good news is it's broken in Jesus that we, we could pray for you and break the power. You don't have to be afraid anymore. You see, because 
just as generational patterns of sin and generational curses are true, the opposite is also true. Because in Psalm 112, it says, Praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying His commands. Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. They themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds will last forever. See, the opposite is true. When you serve God, when you live a life of obedience to God, you know what happens? The blessing gets passed down onto the next generation. That's, that's why we have families right here in this church that serve God with all their might. And they have children that haven't fallen into the ways of this world. And if you have, there's a new beginning. There's always a new start for you. But see, my passion, my heart for you is for you to start a new generation. Whatever it's been like in your family, through the history, whatever abuse, whatever junk, sexual molestation, whatever it is, you don't have to live in that anymore. You can start a new generation and your children can walk in the blessing. It says, blessed are the generations of the upright. If your parents' marriage fell apart, it doesn't mean that yours has to fall apart. Maybe you've got a long family history of divorce. We want to break that today in Jesus' name. We're going to start a new generation in this church. That's why I thank God for the marriage, Claire's. Because we believe in strong, healthy marriages. In Jesus, it doesn't matter what's happened through the past, but there's a new generation of strong marriages. Mothers and fathers who serve God with all their heart, even if yours didn't. Even if you had, your father left you, abandoned you. Or maybe he beat you and kicked you around. You can be a father with a heart like God because in Jesus, the power is broken. You don't have to be like Abraham and Isaac, passing the junk down through the generations. You could, you could start fresh, start new. Let, let the blessings begin to flow. Because you know, when you sin... When you do things that you know are wrong, it doesn't only affect you. Do you know that it affects your children? What Abraham did, his son wasn't even born yet. And somehow in the realm of the spirit, that stuff gets passed down. See, when you sin, it's not just about you. You affect everyone around you. That's why Pastor George, week after week, challenges you to live according to the Word of God. Not because he wants to deny you your fun, because he's seen the consequence of that on families. It's, it's not just you. Those things you do in secret that nobody sees, Somehow in the spiritual realm, you're making a mark on your children and your grandchildren. So let's begin to walk in the blessing. Don't, don't let your sins carry, don't let your children carry your sins to the next level. Because that's what I see. The, the things that you do, your kids will do it even better. Good or bad. Let's take a stand for righteousness. Let's take a stand for God. Let, let's have healthy, blessed, prosperous generations. Actually, I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer right now, but don't get excited. The sermon's not over. I saw people, you know, when you say prayer, people get all excited, Candace. They think, oh, but I'm ready to go home and eat. No. I just was, wanted to give you some hope, that's all. So I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer before I go on. 
I'm going to believe that everything, every generational pattern of sin, sickness, every curse is broken off for you in Jesus' name by the power of the cross of Jesus. So I'm going to ask you to repeat this. In the name of Jesus, I confess the sins and iniquities of my parents, grandparents, and all other ancestors in the name of Jesus and by the power of his blood, I now renounce, break, and sever all cords of iniquity and generational curses I have inherited from my parents grandparents, and all other ancestors, and break and sever all unholy soul ties formed between myself and my parents, grandparents, and all other ancestors. In the name of Jesus, I now loose myself and my future generations from any bondages passed down to me from my ancestors. And I command any evil spirits that have taken advantage of these cords of iniquity, generational curses, and unholy soul ties to leave me now, now, in the name of Jesus. Let's just praise God. I, I believe he just did something. I believe that things just got broken off of your marriage right now. I believe depression is going to begin to go right now. Father, I just break right now. I break every ungodly soul tie in Jesus' name. I break right now every generational sin, every curse, every spell put on you by, by relatives who live in witchcraft or santeria. I break the power of those spells and curses now in Jesus' name. And I decree that you walk in, in emotional health and blessing and prosperity, that those sickness, that cancer will not touch you or your children. In Jesus' name, if your parents died young, it does not mean that you're going to die young. In the name of Jesus, there are some of you, you're living in fear because you had relatives who died young, and you're afraid it's going to happen to you. It's not going to happen to you. If you believe, we just sever that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Back to the sermon and the drink of water. It's not my fault. They don't have a clock back there. I might go on forever, Kim. You know that there's no scarier feeling in the world than if you think the preacher lost track of the time? Tell the truth, Bird. Is there anything scarier than that? I'd rather face a, a, a whole bunch of wild bulls than to sit in a sermon where the, where the preacher forgot what time it is. Uh, I'm going to go now. I'm in Genesis 26, verse 12. Going back to Isaac, it says, When Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain then he planted, for the Lord blessed him. He became a very rich man, and his wealth continued to grow. He acquired so many flocks of sheep and goat, herds of cattle and servants, that the Philistines became jealous of him. But here's the interesting thing about that verse. 
It's not just that he planted his seeds and he got back a hundred times what he planted. But what did the word say? There was a famine. Nothing was growing. There was no rain. Nothing was happening. Everyone around them was starving. They were planting crops and they weren't growing. But the difference is that Isaac was a man of prayer. He was a man of faith. He was a man of God. And in the middle of the lack, the depression, the famine, he planted his seeds and he became rich. There's a principle for you in this. I don't care what they tell you on the TV. I I don't care what the stock market is doing, what the economic indicators are for the nation. We don't live in that. We don't live according to the things of this world, the signposts of, of hell. This is what we believe. I believe God. I believe that if I, I'm, if I keep on serving him, keep planting my seeds, keep doing what I'm called to do, keep loving, keep blessing, that I'm going to prosper. Maybe the Bible says a thousand might fall at your left side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it's not going to come near you. You don't have to fear what you hear on the news. You know, people call me, all these people say they're prophets and say, don't go on the subways. The Lord is warning me that something's going to happen. I say, I ain't listening to your junk. If God tells me to go on the subway, I'll sit on the subway and nothing's going to happen. You say, I don't believe the reports from man. Stop listening to man's reports. It's going to put fear in you. I believe the report of the Lord. And what is that report? I can plant seeds when everyone else, their farms, their crops are dying. And mine are going to get a hundredfold back of blessing and prosperity. Don't expect doom and gloom. It is coming to the world. I read the book of Revelation, judgment's coming, hard times are coming. The Bible says evil's going to increase in the last days. But it tells us in Isaiah, though darkness covers the earth, the glory of the Lord is going to rise upon the people of God. Start believing God. Some of you maybe need to turn off the news. Okay, I'm going to continue in verse 15. So the Philistines filled up all of Isaac's wells with dirt. These were the wells that had been dug by the servants of his father Abraham. Finally, Abimelech ordered Isaac to leave the country. Go somewhere else, he said, for you have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away to the Gerar Valley where he set up their tents and settled down. He reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. Isaac also restored the names Abraham had given them. See, this is a very prophetic and symbolic passage. Abraham, Isaac's father, had dug wells of water. Wells is a picture. It's a symbol. Jesus said in John chapter 4, it's a picture of our spiritual life. It says that out of our belly will come rivers of living water which will well up to salvation. You see, there were blessings from the past generation that the Philistines, representing the enemy, the devil and all his demons, the spiritual wickedness, they came and they plugged up those wells so that the blessing would be stopped up. You know, that's prophetic for us. Because guess where those wells, symbolically, those wells come from the very Word of God. 
Do you know that the enemy has stopped up the spiritual wells in the church? Because I read the book of Acts. I read the Gospels. And you know what it says? There was not one poor or needy among them. It says that people were healed. Blind eyes were opened. The dead were raised. People were being set free. 5,000 people saved in one day. Why isn't that happening today? Where's the thousands coming to Jesus every day? Where's the miracles? They lived back then. The Bible said that the, the gospel is not about talk. It's about power. I'm tired of talk. I want to see the power and glory of God. I want to see people being set free in an instant like they were in the Bible. See, those were the wells, and the enemy has capped them up. And you know that Hector here, he sent me a dream that the Lord gave him, that God is unplugging, he's digging up those wells from the New Testament. And in his dream, the same things that happen in the New Testament are going to happen right here in this church. And we're already seeing the first fruits. Pastor Lou taking the kids out into the streets, worshiping right out there in, in the middle of wickedness and praying for people, praying for the sick. Merck with, with his healing ministry, people being healed of cancer. See, we're seeing the beginnings of it. God is unplugging the wells. And God is unplugging the wells in your life. You know, some of you, you had grandparents and parents. You know, they, the people with the big buns that you, you, you try to run away from them. They walked with God. And do you know because they walk with God, there's blessing coming to you, and the enemy has stopped up those wells, even in your personal life. There's spiritual inheritance and blessing that's due to you. It's coming. I'm believing God that in every place where the enemy has come and stole our inheritance, that God is beginning to redig. But it's up to you. You've got to want it. You've got to desire it. You see, with all my heart, I, I want to see the things that happen in the Bible happen again. The church in unity and love. Everybody serving God. Everybody walking in the fullness of their destiny. A church full of people willing to lay down their lives if that's what it took. So I'm going to ask if Lee could um, get ready and come right now. Because I'm believing God for every one of you. See, see, many of you, you're like Isaac. You're in that desert place. What does the desert represent in the Bible? It means a place in your life where it seems like nothing's moving ahead. It seems like everything is dry. Maybe God feels far away. Maybe you're expecting blessings and you haven't seen them. But I just ask Lee to just sing a song over you.
Amen. This is how I want to end. Hey, I like the echo. How do you do that? That's like Lou Gehrig, right? But this is how I want to end. I want to anoint every single person in this place. We want to mock you with the oil of the Holy Spirit and believe God that every one of you are going to prosper. Every one of you are going to grow. Not one of you are going to have lack, even in the midst of depression, recession, and lack in this economy. And we're going to believe God with the anointing that every generational curse is broken. Now, now, for those of you, you've had sickness in your past and your family. I'm going to ask even right now if those on the healing ministry can come up and stand right here. I, I want you to, when, when we get ready, I want you to come up to one of them, and they're going to anoint you. And with the anointing, I'm believing that that generational sickness is broken, that it's never going to come on you, your children, or your grandchildren. And over here, those from, uh, who Ephraim would bring from the worship team uh, to come and, and begin to, uh, we're going to anoint people. I'm going to ask if you could all come. I don't want this to be, well, if you really want God, you'd have to be a fool not to come today. Or you can go home in your mess and expect expect to be to lose out, expect to be poor, expect to be a failure, expect your family to fall apart. I'm believing for, for every one of you are going to stand in the place God's placed you in. You're all going to grow. You're going to be blessed and prosper right in that place. Just like Isaac, none of you are going to go back to Egypt. None of you are going to go back to that place of sin and, and rebellion. But you, I, I'm believing in five years from now, every one of you are still going to be serving God, whether here or somewhere else. Not one of you, I'm going to hear a story of how you used to worship God and things got too hard and you fell away. Also, those in the prophetic team can come and help to anoint people or church leaders. So Lee is going to lead us in song. And Gretchen, if you could just help everybody with get some oil. And I'm going to ask the ushers to come if you could just help us to lead people. So I'm going to ask you all to stand right now. And I just want to invite you, come forward and get anointed, and then we're done. We want the very mark of God on you today. We want to smear you with the oil of the Spirit. Your businesses are going to begin to be blessed. Your jobs are going to begin to be blessed. So as soon as you receive the oil, just begin to lay hands. Just anointing. You don't have, we're not doing long prayers today. There's too many people. But with the laying on of hands, there's a breaking and an impartation that's going to happen. I just want to share this vision. Pastor Gary had asked me to pray for today's service before I told him the song that I was going to sing. And as I was in prayer, I had a vision that I was standing in the midst of a desert, and I had no idea he was going to preach any of this today. I had a vision that I was standing in the desert. When I looked up, I looked at the sun, and everything was dry, and every, there was no growth, and the sun turned green. And all of a sudden, I saw Miriam standing in the desert, and I saw a man playing a shofar, and I saw a woman drinking from a jug filled with water. And the Lord began to speak to me, and he began to say that there is going to be growth in the desert place. So when you get prayed for this morning and as you listen to this song and as you worship, remember, never let fear govern your worship. Because if there's anything that you can sow right now in this season of your life, it's worship. So begin to worship the Lord. Amen. You can put that track on. Hallelujah. This is my prayer in the desert. 
Thank you. 